is the Run Your Day podcast with Dan Hafner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Run Your Day podcast. As always, your host, Dan Hafner here. Very excited for another cool episode I got for you guys today. I am joined by a man by the name of Matthew Ferry. He is a spiritual teacher and happiness coach who helps people break free of negative thought patterns so that they can reduce stress and enjoy life. Don't we all, right? Ferry is the um, creator of the Rapid Enlightenment Process and the best-selling author of Quiet Mind, Epic Life, Escape the Status Quo and Experience Enlightened Prosperity Now. Wow, that's quite a mouthful for a book, but uh, <laughs> how are you, man? It's good, good to have you on the show. It is a it is a mouthful. I, we just t- typically stick to quiet mind, epic life, but it is really about escaping the status quo and, and rising above that, and so you can have a, a quiet mind and live an awesome life. That's very cool. Well, let's let's just dive into that. I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, so, like, what? Tell us a little bit about that book. Uh, well, the book is really the the sort of like my latest conclusion and thesis after working with a little over 10,000 people over about a 26, 27 year period now, uh, working with people one-on-one. And most of my clients were real go-getters. I've been a a, a productivity coach. I started off as a sales coach and I went productivity, then I went entrepreneur, then uh, ultimately executive coach. And, and my clients were people like you and I, they really wanted to have an amazing life. But what stood in their way was what they thought, how they thought was the, the, the contextual framework that they were holding their life inside of. And I was no different. I was uh, a successful man, but had so many you know, stresses and, and uh, angst and, and wishes and regrets and all of that stuff. And my mind would attack me on a regular basis. And I've just was drawn to figure out how do I get my mind to go completely quiet and to be completely at peace? Uh, and it turns out there's a lot of traditional methods that you can utilize to do that. And, and they're fairly workable, uh, but you've got to spend a lot of time focused on them in order to get them to work for you. And most of the people that I work with, you know, they didn't have that much time to dedicate to it. So I ultimately created something called rapid enlightenment, which is like a, a essentially a fast way to get to a state of bliss and peace. Wow. That's really interesting. I mean, could, could you tell us, I know it's probably very, very involved, but could you give us like a 30,000 foot view? Like what is the rapid enlightenment process? No problem. I, I think that the, the, the first component is to understand that your mind is not your friend. We relate to our mind. Like it's us. You relate to your mind. Like it's you talking to you and it's not, it's actually uh, biological. It doesn't care about you. Like nobody else calls you stupid and fat other than your mind, right? Because if they did, they wouldn't be your friend. And so you've got this thing that talks whether you want it to or not. And you relate to it like it's you. So you listen to it. And when you listen to it, it actually feeds it. So when you start to disconnect and you recognize, I've got this thing that is like biology. It's like, yeah, my heart beats. I'm not controlling it. I can kind of influence it, right? If I like breathe slowly and focus, I can influence it but I'm not in control of that thing. It, yeah. It's doing its own thing. Your mind is doing its own thing. So that's step one is to uh, understand. It, it's something that I call the drunk monkey, that crazy drunk monkey yeah. in your head. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, um, when I kid, like 21 years old, I had a, uh, 
Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a, a, a mentor who said, uh, you know, your mind is, is, a, is like a monkey. You have a monkey mind. And I was like, dude, my mind is wasted. My mind is like a, a absolute berserk drunk monkey. And the, the terminology stuck, even though it should be drunken monkey, uh, you know, apparently gra grammatically incorrect is the right way for me because uh, drunk monkey stuck. So that's what you start with. You start there by recognizing you have this insane thing in your head. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't like you. doesn't want you to achieve your goals. Talks you out of stuff on a regular basis. And it's doing that because it's actually a function of your survival system. So if you see it like it's a survival system, then you stop relating to it like it's real and true. You're not in survival. Yeah. Especially if you're listening to this podcast with Dan and I, you're not in survival. You're yeah. trying to grow and learn and become. That's not a survival situation. Yeah. So that's, that's the first step in the process. The second step is, is another noticing step. It turns out that there are functions for survival. And I call these functions the hidden motives to survive. And if you have a hidden motive running, it's very difficult to get the mind to shut up. So like if greed, grudge, hatred, victim, illogical rules, humble, traitor, pride, lazy, resistance, those 10 things run the whole show. So if your mind is talking and it's talking without your permission, it's likely been activated by one of those um, idea sets. And so being able to spot it, actually just being aware of, oh my God, I'm in trader right now. I'm hiding myself for no reason. Nobody's going to persecute me. Wow. I'm in greed. Uh, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm living a good life. I don't need to like go crazy and, and screw people over to get money. Right. There's like, there's these things that run. And of course I'm like giving the, the exaggerated versions, but boy, they can be real subtle. So if you can spot those, then just the spotting of them causes the mind to go like, oh yeah, well, yeah, we don't, there's, there's nothing, I don't need to be a victim right now. I don't need to manipulate the people around me into giving me support. I could just ask them. So that's step two. Step three is to change your language. So turns out, Dan, most of our language is focused on survival. It implies that you're limited. It implies that you are at a disadvantage. It implies that you are um, somehow not going to get what you want. And there's a methodology that I began to play around with back in 1999, spell, wow, it's been a long time, uh, called applied kinesiology. So it's essentially uh, like the street term for it would be called muscle testing. And my mentor created, uh, utilized muscle testing to break down psychology and to, uh, to assess psychology through applied kinesiology, much bigger conversation than we're gonna have right now. <laughs> but for me, standing on his shoulders, I started to realize that there were phrases that I would say that if I said the phrase and I pushed on somebody's arm and asked them to resist, they couldn't resist, their arm would fall no matter what. And there were other phrases that I would say and then I would say it and I would push on, on my client's arm and ask them to resist and their arm resisted no problem. And ultimately my conclusion here was that there are certain 
contextual frameworks or ideas that strengthen the body and other ideas that weaken the body. And I think that that's actually pretty, I mean, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't say to your child, here's what I want you to do every day. I want you to look in front of the mirror and just say, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. You know that that would actually, you in like intuitively know that would destroy the child. Yeah. And you also intuitively know that if that child looked at themselves and said, hey, I like you, you're a good person, you can do this, right? Like some affirming kind of language, not that I'm not speaking to affirmations, but just affirmative kind of uplifting language, that that would actually be effective for that child and, and bring some strength to that child. It turns out that that happens across the board with our language, that there's language that implies all is not well, and it weakens you. And there's language that implies all is well, and it strengthens you. And so for the last 20 years, I've been exploring this and documenting, and I have a group of people who test with me so that we're um, holding each other accountable, right? I have, but I've been documenting, what are those language patterns that strengthen you? And what are the language patterns that weaken you? And it turns out that the language patterns that strengthen you could be thought of as enlightened perspectives. And here's why. They imply that all is well. They imply that the source of life for you is the source of life for everything, that we're all basically the same thing, just expressing itself in all these different ways, right? We're essentially these subatomic particles and uh, uh, you know, various uh, interactions that are all self-assembling. You're not doing anything. You did nothing to be alive. You do nothing to stay alive, essentially. You are the effect of, the result of these interactions that are occurring. And there's this some background field of energy information that everything is sourced in. And when you imply that, it strengthens you. And when you imply that you're limited, it weakens you. If you imply that you are, are um, somehow a victim in any way, it weakens you. So it's like learning a new language. And then the last thing is actually learning how to change your language, something that I call um, recontextualization. And that's essentially the skill of creating new beliefs that are empowering, that create a, 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 an empowering framework rather than uh, a degrading framework. Now, obviously those things take practice, but it's bonkers how fast a person's mind goes quiet when they just start to play with even just one of those four things. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's, wow. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. So, but, so like, I mean, it's, it kind of seems like it's, it's like kind of like self-talk and in, in like opinions you have of yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so like this, like self-talk that eliminates the self-talk. Yeah, it's so like it's, the second level. Yeah, so it's like you talk to yourself in such a way that takes you out of survival and implies that all is well. And the moment you do that, the survival machine, this drunk monkey in your head, which is nonstop talking and assessing and judging and analyzing and what about this and what about that? And that's bullshit and I don't think so. That thing, that turns out that that thing is actually responding to the environment like you are somehow in a threatened state. So the moment you imply a context where you are not at threat, 
it starts to quiet down. It's bonkers. It's crazy. Mm. Wow. So I'm it's, sure there's, it's um, awesome. are there like meditation techniques that, that you, I have meditations and I love meditation and I'm like, a, uh, I am an avid meditator. But what I found in my work with clients is that getting people to discipline themselves to do meditation, that was like, all that was a thing all by itself, just <laughs> that. Yeah. So I had to think on my feet and figure out, well, how do I, how do I have them have the realization that a meditation might bring while they're in a meeting with a group of people who are attacking them. Yeah. Because when you're in a meeting with a group of people who are all attacking you, no meditation is gonna fit the bill. Yeah. yeah. Now what, what do you do? So it's a, um, the method, the rapid alignment process was actually created because the clients that I was working with were mostly badasses they were in the world making it happen on a regular basis and some were spiritually curious uh others were not some were interested and intrigued in meditation others were not it's interesting when your mind goes quiet meditation actually uh becomes a really lovely place to go yeah so for a lot of my clients it was in reverse their mind started to go quiet and they were like, tell me about this meditation thing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. Cause I mean, like I, I even started my, my own personal like meditation journey, like several years ago and I've been kind of, you know, I started out good and I got inconsistent. I've kind of come back with it. It's been up and down and stuff, but that was kind of the process of myself learning to almost quiet my mind, which is kind of how I've seen this lens of the world of like, okay, you, you start meditating. And that is kind of how you quiet your mind, but you're actually talking about doing it in the opposite way, which is, which is fascinating. That's crazy. I mean, to that's me, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought. And, um, you know, the, the, it, you know, life is so crazy. Right. But I grew up, uh, in my father's company, my father, my brother, and I, uh, ended up growing my father's real estate sales training company into one of the biggest in the world. And in that process, um, I was always sort of the spiritual nerd of the group. Um, my brother was probably more of like the personal development, Tony Robbins type guy in the group. Uh, and my, and my father was, you know, he was like the creator of this sales method into just like a real hard ass, right. Uh, uh, classic sort of, uh, you know, baby boomer style guy. And so in that process, I, I found that I didn't have a lot of latitude to, to roll out spiritual processes. So I was bringing in these spiritual methods, which were really working well for me, but I had to figure out a, a way to communicate them to a non-spiritual group, essentially. Wow. So you didn't, you didn't bring in meditation because people were like, well, what's that? Right. And I, and I was speaking yeah. to, you know, Christians and Jews and, and atheists and, you know, like they didn't give a shit. They just wanted to make more money. Yeah, it's it's knowing your audience. It's knowing yeah. who you're talking to. You know? Today, I, mean, I you know, I I jive a little bit more with the uh, uh, you know person who is willing to admit that they are a spiritual type, uh, but uh, the method stands nonetheless. And you know, you can't meditate at the at the Thanksgiving dinner. So, what yeah. are you going to do? 
Yeah. How are you going to stay at a state of peace and appreciation and gratitude for everybody at the dinner table, even though you don't agree with 90% of what they say? Yeah. Wow. I like, I really like this idea of the, the drunk monkey. Cause I mean, I like, cause I, I think about myself too. And I think about a lot of people I, I talk with and I see that now that that's kind of becoming more, I even see it in myself of this, like you, you can go down this path of kind of allowing your brain to just kind of run your thoughts and run your things, but then also kind of just giving into it and not really taking the, the action to, to like quiet that. So that that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. And it turns out that the drunk monkey has uh, some, some general modes that it operates in. So for example, it, the drunk monkey believes that it's psychic. So it believes that it can forecast the future. But the crazy thing is the drunk monkey is hell bent on only forecasting negative futures. Yeah, isn't that so crazy? If you listen to the drunk monkey, the drunk monkey is like, this is gonna go wrong and that's gonna go wrong and this is gonna go wrong, so you better be prepared. Now, was- from, a, from an evolutionary standpoint, Dan, that's awesome. But dude, we're not in a, we're not in a survival situation anymore. Yeah. So now that becomes an impediment. So is that, I mean, and you had mentioned this too in, in, in the thing you had sent me, is that kind of what confirmation bias is? Is that kind of like that, that is that like manifesting those thoughts kind of deal? Like, what is, is that what that is? Well, confirmation bias is, is more about your, what you are attracted to. So you're attracted to and prefer information that confirms your beliefs and your theories. Which is being run by the drunk monkey. That's right. Then the wow. second- Second part of it is that you tend to delete any ideas or information that you come across that doesn't confirm your ideas or beliefs. So confirmation bias is is more of like a tried and true, um, uh, let's call it social sciences uh, designation. Uh, What I've tried to do with the drunk monkey is help you out, help you to identify, for example, uh, catastrophizing is a term that some people use. I, I just call it uh, negative future prophesizing or forecasting the negative and the drunk monkey. And I always just say to the drunk monkey, look, drunk monkey, uh, you're not psychic. You have no idea what's going to happen next. Your guess is as good as any. So if we're going to predict and make things up, might as well predict and make things up to make me feel good right now. Cause right now I am suffering and nothing's happening. I'm not even doing anything yet. <laughs> I'm already miserable. I'm not even at the party. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So suddenly it gives you a different relationship because now you're essentially guiding the, the biology rather than having a conversation with yourself. You could think of the drunk monkey, like a, a GPS, except it only has one destination and that's survival yeah so it's looking good being right being smart fitting in right there's all of these things that it's constantly trying to do and if you can start to see it for what it is it lose you lose your interest in it and when you lose your interest in it it stops talking so much yeah i mean so i mean it it's funny when you say that about confirmation bias because that second part of like you, you kind of follow things like that that are with your beliefs but you also delete things and that just kind of makes me think about like this this world we live in right and it, at risk of trying to not make this show political but like that's kind of how you see human beings behave anymore of absolutely like deleting or, or cancel culture or like if something 
doesn't align with what I think I believe. I just delete it as wrong, as terrible, as wicked, as whatever. But then it's 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 like groupthink at that point, right? Yes, it is, and and it's not bad. And uh, and biology. what happens for like yeah, what happens for people like you and I and probably our listener is that we can we can essentially get upset that people are deleting, but we're in our upset, we're deleting them. Yeah. So we, uh, we become what we don't like and we become what we don't like. And that's not actually the right way to say it. It's more like we are what we don't like. We just pretend that we're not. So all the people that we that we look at on Facebook and and YouTube or the nose or whatever, anything that irks us about them, if if you and I spent some time discussing it and asking questions, we would discover that there's actually a component of you that you don't like that does the exact same thing, but in your way, you have your version of it. Yes. We do not like in other people, typically what we don't like about ourselves, but we're unwilling to admit. Yes. Yes, that is gold. Say that again. Say that last we part again. We do not like in other people. Typically, not always, but typically what we do not like about ourselves, but we're unwilling to admit. That, did you guys hear that? Like, seriously, that is some pure gold. That is worth the price of the meat. And I know this is, but <laughs> that is, that is good stuff. That is really, really good stuff. Well, hey, so we only got a few minutes here just in interest to keeping this show relatively short, but I wanted to talk to you. We talked about this a little bit beforehand, but um, you actually have your own app, right? I do. What's it called? It's just my name, Matthew Ferry, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-F-E-R-R-Y. And and I think that our listener could dig the app if they're digging what what, what we're talking about here. In it, I have a folder called Quiet Mind. And in the quiet mind folder, there is something called 23 daily practices. And essentially I made a video and an audio for every day. You can choose what you want to do, video or audio, or you can read it. And every day it just gives you a short little bite of something that you can do that day to get your mind to quiet down 23 days in a row. And this idea that we just talked about where you don't like in other people, what you don't like in yourself, that is one of the days that you're going to focus on. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I just asked because like I shared with you before, that's kind of the, the new the new direction I'm going and kind of doing um, apps. And I'm, I'm just, I'm an app nerd. Like I really, really am. And that's kind of, that's when I saw that, I was like, what? I got to talk about that. That's really neat. So that's very, very cool. Um, so I, I normally do this uh, with people. I know you, I didn't tell you anything about this, but uh, I usually let people ask me one question. Okay, good. Oh, I love that question. Well, um, so go ahead. Ask yeah, me. I, have a, I have a question for you. Sure. So in your meditations, what has been the most important insight about yourself or about life or other people that you, that you have from your meditation? I mean, I don't know. It's different every day. That's probably my best answer. It's just it's different every day because there's always... Like you said, kind of going back to what you said earlier, there's always this this undercurrent of some days it's greed, some days it's fear, some days it's it, it, it's any one of those ten that you mentioned. Um, so, and then there's different things that happen throughout 
throughout my life and throughout your day that you can just like you just kind of see yourself focusing on. And um, and sometimes, you know, even when even if I'm just trying like, um, you know, just a, a non guided meditation, which is music or whatever it might be. I, I do have a tendency to let my thoughts drift towards that thing. Right. Um, but that's kind of what meditation is. It's kind of learning, like, well, at least what I've learned is it's just kind of like allowing that to just be and like noting it and whatever. Um, but it's kind of interesting to kind of see just where my mind goes and how it kind of comes up with that stuff, because I will walk away, even if it's only 10 minutes, like I will walk away from, from some meditations with like a big realization of like, huh, well, that's that's why that's doing that. I, I talked about this in one of my episodes before. Was this? I call it the why game. Just kind of going down this rabbit hole of like, kind of kind of going like in like, hey, this is what the belief that I'm having right now, of like, hey, I'm pissed at this person. Why? Well, because they did this. Why? Well, because they said this. Why? And then, but it ultimately comes down to something about me that I'm irritated at myself about. You know, and that's so that's kind of a game that I've that I've learned. And there's an episode I have on it. But um, that's probably my, my best answer for that is just kind of just kind of going through that game and that that mental repetition all the time. It, it always comes back to me like it really always comes back to me. In in my book, I have a whole section on it's always me. It's never them. <laughs> nice. We didn't even plan that, guys. That's that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's crazy. That is crazy. I love it, brother. Well, thank you for having me on the show, and and thank you, listener, for listening in. We appreciate you, and we and we hope it made a difference for you. Yeah, absolutely. I guess just what is the um as as we go out, what where's what's the best place or for people to find you or find out more about you? Is it your book? Come check me out on on my uh, on my website, MatthewFerry.com. M a t t h e w f e r r y dot com. All right. That sounds good. All right, Matthew. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Hopefully we'll have you on here again sometime in the future. That was awesome. That was really, really cool stuff. Very insightful. Thank you very much. So, all right, everyone, that is all we have for you this um, today on the episode on the episode of uh, Run Your Day. So as always, I appreciate you guys joining for another show. Um, as always, please share, please subscribe um, this show with anyone who you think might get value out of this, especially what Matthew and I just talked about. That was pretty cool stuff. So, as always, my friends, Dan Hafner signing off. Make the great rest of your day.